I'm Jen Wolf with Wolf Legal. I'm Steve Roush with Capital City Law. And on this episode of You Can't Take It With You, we are talking about estate planning considerations for the small business owner. And we have a real expert on this topic. Steve has so much experience working with his clients on both estate planning and their small business considerations. And Steve, I would say a really high percentage of your estate planning clients actually do have their own small business interests. What sort of conversations do you have with them when they come in for planning as it relates to their, their business and, and how that will impact what you decide to suggest for estate planning purposes. Yeah, I, I do. I started out working as a legal assistant for a large law firm where we did a lot of merger acquisitions, a lot of uh, business formations. And that was part of my primary function as a legal assistant. And then I decided to go to law school, come out of law school, and I started practicing in the area of estate planning. And what I found was most of who I was dealing with had small business interests. And so they were coming in and they already had a corporation or they had an LLC or they had some form of a partnership. And we were talking about estate planning, but trying to figure out, well, how do you tie in these business interests into the estate plan and some of the considerations that fall in there? And the way I usually approach it with most clients is I tell them that really their foundation needs to be their estate plan. It needs to be Whatever you decide is going to work best for you, whether that's a will or last will and testament or a trust-based plan, that really needs to be your foundation. And And why is that? Let's just, let's delve into that for a little bit because I think this is an important point. So we've thrown around the statistic that's somewhat made up, but mostly true about how (laughs) somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 65% of uh, American adults don't have an estate plan. So there's a lot of problems with that that we've addressed on other episodes of this podcast for anyone, but particularly for a small business owner, if we just take a step back and think, what will functionally happen to your small business if you don't have an estate plan when you die, who's going to run it? You know, how's it going to be divvied up? Does it dissolve? Uh, those are some of the things you talk about with your clients, right? It is. It is. And, and it's one of those things that I uh, have had a number of occasions to see what happens when a uh, business owner doesn't have any form of an estate plan in place and they die, or, or at least one of the partners dies. Because what happens is, is then that ownership, that business either a part ownership if there's other partners or if they're the only owner, gets thrown into some form of a probate process. And that is, I mean, we're talking time. And I bet most people don't even know that the interest they have in their small business is probatable. I mean, like that probably doesn't even cross most people's minds because I'd imagine... It, to some extent, they might not think of it as a personal asset, even though that's really what it is. Yeah, absolutely. A stock ownership or LLC membership interest or a partnership interest, it's, a, it's personal property. and uh, But it is. It's, a, it's an asset. And because it's an asset, and if it's just in your name when you die, we're going to have to go through some process to get that out of your name and get it to either your spouse if you're married or to your children if you have children or or in any any form of the you know, descent distribution schedules that we find in the intestate code of the of Idaho probate code. The, the reality is, is that if you don't have an estate plan in place, that business that you have could very likely just go away. It could cease to exist because there's nobody to make any day-to-day decisions for it. And so as it's going through that probate process, you know, we talk in, in another episode about probate and, you know, 
bare minimum, probate in Idaho has to be open for six months. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't decisions that are being made in that interim, but it may be a month or more before you get somebody in the position of being able to make those decisions. And for most businesses, a month is a long time to not have anybody being able to run the business. Right. And so obviously estate planning is important. Uh, I think that there are, this is a time where I would give a plug for trust-based planning. If you have a small right. business uh, interest, passing it through a trust can make it so much easier for your loved ones. Sometimes folks think, oh, well, I'll just designate someone to act as my agent under a power of attorney, and then they'll be able to run the business for me. And to some extent that's true, but there are a lot of limitations there. So we'd love to talk to you about your specific business interest and how it could intersect with either a will or a trust. But another important consideration is taxes. We've hit on taxes a couple of times. It's, it's interesting because in law school, I assumed I would never, ever even have to spell the word tax in my legal career. And here I am. But as it relates to tax efficiencies that can be utilized when you're planning with your small business, what sort of advice have you given your clients there? That's one of the things that as we're talking through we do an analysis to find out, number one, how are they currently structured, right? Are they a sole proprietor, meaning that there is no structure in place and they're just doing business as themselves individually? Or are they structured as a, uh, a, a single-member LLC or a multi-member LLC or a corporation such as an S corporation or maybe even a C corporation? And we, we talk through all that because depending on what type of entity they are is probably going to dictate how they're taxed. And so when we're starting to talk about things such as a corporation. Well, if you're a C corporation, there's double layer of taxation. If you're an S corporation, there's only a single layer of taxation, but there's a bunch of rules on it. You know, if you're an LLC, the IRS has said, you tell us how you want to be taxed, right? It's called check the box. You get to check the box and tell us how you want to be taxed, you know? And so all these considerations come in. So it's part of the planning process that we sit down and, and even when we're doing estate planning, we pull that in and we say, well, how are you, how are you currently structured and have you been doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing as an entity, such as meeting minutes and making sure that you have all your organic documents in place because that's protecting the assets. And then the taxation issue is important because we need to know, well, how are you taking your income? And how, if you die, how is your estate going to need to take in that income? And, and so all those come into play as far as the discussion for planning. Foundationally, though, you really need to have this plan in place. It needs to be a will or it needs to be a trust. And I appreciate, Jen, that you said trust-based planning for small business owners because we really don't want a time where there's not somebody that can make a decision. And with trust-based planning, generally you always have a trustee there that can step in and start making decisions for a small business. And so it, it just becomes a very important part of our planning process of making sure that we get the right planning in place so that your business is going to continue successfully moving forward. Particularly if you have employees, you need to make sure that those employees are going to be taken care of. And if for some reason you pass away, we need somebody to continue running that business. Even if it's only to the point of being able to sell it to somebody else. That's right. And in terms of who's going to run that business, you know, often the idea is that it will be a child, one of your children. The intent is that they will inherit the business. And so let's talk about uh, everybody's other favorite topic, setting aside taxes, which is prickly family dynamics. This comes up quite a bit in estate planning, but specifically when we're dealing with small business interests, because if you have spent your whole life building up a business and maybe one of your children has come alongside you, and run that business and really invested in it, 
what do you do when it comes to your estate plan and how you're going to make things equitable, or maybe it's not your desire to make things equitable related to your children and those who have invested in the business and those who have not. Right, exactly. And so when you look at it, that's very common as we see, especially a family run business where you got mom and pop who've been running the business. And then as children uh, get older and and become um, able to have a job and, and be part of what's going on, most families have at least one one of the, the children that may have been an active member of that business and still an active member of the business. And we see it so often that part of the estate plan is, is that the parents are saying, well, through my estate plan, I want to make sure that X gets my the business because they're the ones that have been there taking care of it. But we have three other children. What do we do? And that becomes a question of, like you said, equalization. Do we want to equalize or do we care? And some families do and some families don't. And if if equalization becomes a goal and we want to make sure that happens, then we need to look at all the other assets and figure out what other assets other than the business assets are going to go to the other children. Or does the child that has the business need to get some form of financing to buy out the interests of the other three children? It, there's all these working parts and pieces that have to be discussed. Yes, and also this idea that a lot of parents have in in regards to how their business will pass, they want to make sure it stays in the family. And sometimes an in-law relationship is not in the family. And so often there's a desire to make sure that the business can pass to their children by blood, but they might not want those assets to get diluted into being community property of a marriage. And so that's just another thing to talk through. Um, When you come in and talk to us, what are your goals and, and who actually is going to retain ownership over this business interest? Well, it's such an important discussion because that is very common where we see that discussion of, gosh, I, I want it to go to my son or my daughter, but I don't want their spouse to be involved. And so that necessitates us having a pretty detailed conversation about how are we going to structure that so that that interest just goes to that child. And that may involve us forcing that into some form of trust-based plan because it's going to be the best way to make sure that we keep that interest to the child, right? And that's and, and it, it, those are diff- can be difficult discussions to have. And in that vein, in terms of, uh, I think you had mentioned a minute ago, and we, we jumped past it to talk about, you know, keeping it in the family, but the idea of obtaining financing to buy out siblings, I think this is an important time to talk about another legal document that is more of a business side document versus an estate planning document, but still fits into this conversation. Steve, can you explain to us what a buy-sell agreement is and why a business would want one? Yeah. So a buy-sell agreement or shareholder agreement or owner's agreement, I've seen it called multiple different things, is a document that is, matter of fact, when I sit down with small business owners, people come in and they sit down with me and we're just setting up, we're not even talking about estate planning. We're just talking about setting up a business. I talk with every one of them about having a buy-sell agreement if it is independent third parties that are or family members that are going into business together. The buy-sell agreement is an agreement that dictates the rights and responsibilities amongst those owners as to what happens if one of them dies. What happens if one of them becomes disabled? What happens if they're they get a divorce or they go into bankruptcy or you know, they just want to retire and they want to be out. And so that agreement dictates on those triggering events, how do we 
make sure that that gets split up. So you're saying it's a legal document that actually reflects its name. It literally means when can we buy and when can we sell the interest in this business? Exactly. That that is the whole purpose. Shockingly simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole purpose behind it. The questions there's there's multiple questions that come up with this type of planning, and that is how are you going to pay for it? Let's say that we have two partners. And we say, okay, we're going to have a buy-sell agreement. And if one of us dies, you know, the, the purpose for the agreement is that the surviving partner buys out the interest and, this, and the deceased partner sells their interest so that the value can go to the deceased family, the deceased person's family, and the business stays an active business with the survivor. Well, oftentimes that is done through some form of life insurance or some other kind of vehicle like that to be able to pay for it. Sometimes we use promissory notes. And just jumping back to life insurance, because this is something that that I didn't know until starting to have these conversations with clients, but the importance of, we're not even just talking about, you should have personal life insurance. We've talked about that as one of our quote, quote, adulting topics. (laughs) Adulting. But this would be a different type of insurance, wouldn't it? What you're talking about. Correct. So that's like a key key person insurance or something key man insurance, where yeah. the the company is actually the beneficiary so that those funds can be made available if necessary. Exactly. And oftentimes it is designed that way so that the company is the beneficiary and then we're figuring out how to get the value of the interest going to the family and the active part of the business staying with the survivor. There's different ways of being able to structure that. One way is to have the business itself, the corporation or the entity be the beneficiary. The other way is I've seen it with an actual third-party trustee where the trustee then takes the ownership of that policy and then they're responsible of making sure that that transaction happens at those triggering events. Another thing that becomes important is looking at how do we determine values, right? Do we do we set a value at the, at the get-go? Or do we say that, no, the value is going to be determined by an appraiser at the time that the event happens? Or is it a combination of that? And we reevaluate it annually. So those type of things all come into the negotiation of that agreement. It's it, They're vitally important because too many businesses end up failing when a situation happens and somebody dies. But if you have a, a well-drafted buy-sell agreement with the appropriate funding vehicles in place, then that business can continue successfully and the family of the deceased partner ends up with the value that they should have. And that's really all just tied into this concept of succession planning. So similarly to you know many folks not wanting to do estate planning because they don't like to think about death and, and how they may not be around forever, often business owners do not think through the importance of succession planning for their business. But what you're saying about creating this buy-sell agreement or making sure there's funding in place, it's all just part of this concept of making sure your business is set up to thrive if you're not there to personally run it anymore. Exactly. One of the biggest things that if you talk to any business coach, the business a business coach is going to tell you that what you would ideally like to get to in your business is to the point that you're no longer actively involved in the business. You're just the owner. And you have somebody else that's running that business for you. And then it just becomes uh, ownership interest, like if you own stock in Apple Computer Company, right? And so you want to get to that point. But the reality is, is most business owners, they look at their business as their source of income. And the value of the business is sometimes an afterthought. And they don't really don't even think about it until something like this happens. And so I've had some 
professional business brokers tell me that to get a business to the point of being able to get it so that it can be a succession planned business, that business needs to plan at least five years, more like probably 10 years before they really want that business to be in the process of succession, moving on to that next generation or to a new owner so that we can make the business look and walk and talk like it needs to, to be valuable. And so, you know, these type of estate planning discussions that we have with business owners are so important because we want to make sure that we capture the value for the family, but yet also have that business be an ongoing, going concern. And so for all business owners out there, you need to sit down with a good qualified estate planning attorney, business attorney that can help you be able to think through these, these topics.